Today's program is part of a special series brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership with funding provided by ACES Aware. Together, we are working to raise awareness about the effects of adverse childhood experiences in hopes of building a healthier community and a brighter future for our children. Dr. B explains the importance of acknowledging our stressors of the past in order to thrive in the present. Plus, she shares practical tips for coping through challenging times and building greater resiliency so you and your family can enjoy healthier and more fulfilling life. Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. In today's episode, we have Matthew Winner, the host of A Kid's Book About podcast. We had a brilliant conversation with Matthew, and we were so honored and excited to hear the many things that he has learned over his years and the many things that A Kid's Book About podcast network has planned for the future. If you're interested in furthering this conversation, feel free to reach out to Dr. B at contact at drbconnections.com. Or if you'd like to know more about her, you can visit her website, drbconnections.com. Well, hello, Matthew. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful, Seth. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Dr. B, what's going on? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. What's the plans for the weekend? Well, my it's my wife's birthday this weekend, so we're having a birthday party. Right. My mother-in-law coming. We have family coming into town. Kiddos and grandkids coming up to hang out. So it's going to be a, a fun, long Memorial Day weekend. What about you, Matthew? Travel for the first time Whoa. in however long the pandemic has lasted. <laughs> uh, yeah, getting on a plane, traveling to Tulsa oh, wow. from Baltimore. It's wild to think like I'm going to be spending time in layovers in Houston and stuff. It's just it's just a different world. Yeah, so yeah. so strange. Um, so wait, Matthew, uh, why do we have you on this podcast? <laughs> what is the thing <laughs> that you do that makes you so special? I post things on LinkedIn and Dr. B <laughs> discovers what I post and likes it. <laughs> wow, that's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's, there, there you go, everyone that wants to be a guest on podcast now, you know yes, the secret. Yes, you do a podcast, correct? I do. Actually, I, I do a bit more than that. I'm the head of podcasts that a kid's book about. Whoa, where big I, deal over I, here. I, yeah, I, I lead a network. Uh, our network is called A Kid's Podcast About. And we have shows, much like our books, that talk up to kids that center their voices and the things that they care about in real and informative ways that aren't afraid to go there because we know kids are ready to. Yes, that's amazing. When I found your podcast, well, first let's start with, I found a kid's book about and completely fell in love as an early childhood person and knowing that kids are ready to go there or way sooner than parents are ready to go there or teachers or adults are ready to go there. And then I just, I don't know where I went, like how it came up, but there was, I found your podcast and it was on a kid's book about sexual abuse with Evelyn Yang. And I just, I just immediately turned it on and thought, okay, 
this makes everybody uncomfortable. I wonder how they're going to handle it. And I was just blown away at the beauty of how graceful such a difficult topic was handled with five to nine-year-olds. It was so inspiring for me. I, I was just like, okay, I need Matthew on our podcast because we are very much targeting parents and adults to bring children into the fold because they really are how the world, they're going to transform the world. Not in my lifetime, probably. I say this all the time. We're just planting the seeds, but you're younger than me. <laughs> so, um, but in the, in real life, like this is how the world is going to change by uh, teaching young littles how to talk about hard things. And really the books and the podcast, I find it's not about teaching our littles to talk about hard things. It's about teaching our bigs to talk about hard things, our parents, our teachers, our adults in the world. Because they're the ones who are like, what do you mean talk about depression with my child? What do you mean talk about bullying or sexual abuse or white privilege? You know, how mm. I, don't, I can't even talk about that in my head, let alone with a six-year-old. Yeah, so you uh, have talked about a kid's book about a bunch on your show, which is awesome, and we love that support. And for those that aren't aware of it, we uh, all of our books are written by owned voice and, and lived experience authors to talk about bullying and depression and shame and anxiety and anti-Asian hate and all of these different topics that, as you said rightly, Dr. B, I think either grown-ups don't have the tools to know how to start these conversations, or perhaps there's some fear or hesitation in starting it, perhaps out of a means of protecting their their child, they don't want to bring it up, or the students, they don't want to bring it up. But we do know that kids are ready and that they are asking and that we can do a great deal more harm by not talking about it, or maybe worse, by making someone feel guilty for asking about it. So the books serve to be a means for that grown-up to, to gain the language to talk about it. Mm. You read those words and you're reading the voice of our authors who wrote those books. And with a podcast, we aim to do something a little bit different because we know accessibility is an issue. And when we have a podcast, we know that we can make it accessible for all, mm -hmm. even those that don't have access to our books. But we also know that some people that are listening to the podcast might not have ever read one of our books before. So finding that space to talk up to kids, but also invite them in as part of that conversation about, as you said, racism or divorce or sexual abuse mm -hmm. or diversity is an episode we have coming up in white privilege. I just recorded yesterday mm. with Ben Sand. These are in important spaces to hold. And so uh, I appreciate the compliment. I am constantly trying to hold that space within the podcast episode for that listener mm -hmm. to not feel like they're passively listening to me and an author talking, yeah. but rather to feel, I am in front of you. We are doing this together. We're here together. Let's stop, pause the episode, say aloud that thing we just said, or give your answer, or ask the grown-up that's near you, regularly trying to engage our listeners of any age 
in these topics because we know also that not a lot of people listen to podcasts. Only about 40, 48, what is it? 48, 49% of, of yeah. the US population listens to podcasts. So we know even fewer than that of children listen. So when we make these shows, we know the parents are going to be gatekeepers. So we have to make a show that the parents approve of and want to use and want to center. But then when it goes to the kid, it needs to sound like it was made for them. Yeah. And I directly pull from my experience in the classroom to to do just that. And some of the kids are actually kids that I've taught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What have you found to be the most difficult and maybe the easiest as well of as you're writing and producing these podcasts, how do you keep that kid in mind and how do you talk up to a kid while while not confusing them? You know, Seth, we do the same thing in our books too, which is that we are constantly checking ourselves to make sure if there's a word that we say that is accurate, talking about systemic racism or privilege or what does climate justice mean or constitutional law, that we don't try to talk down to the child by finding oversimplified words. Rather, let's give you the language and let's help break down the definition so that it works for everyone involved. Yeah. Because we know that there are some grown-ups that might not have a good handle on, on those words or just don't know the way to approach the, the topic with clear and concise language. Mm-hmm. All of our stories also build out from experience, as I was saying. And our podcasts do the same thing. We want to talk about what does it feel like to be a victim or to have anxiety or to... to to be experiencing depression in that moment and how do you get through it? But we also want to bring in and say, what does it mean if my my friend or my family is? What does it look like for them and how can I support them? It's really mm. trying to work those sympathy and empathy genes at the same time. That. And and so um, in this show, in a kid's book about the podcast, we are trying to regularly activate those skills and mm-hmm. put them into practice so that We've recorded 20 episodes now. We have something like 50 books now as as our collections are going out. We'll continue to pull from our books, but we want to also give kids these skills so that if we don't have a book or we don't have a recording about this topic, you can still apply those skills to the way you're walking through your life. Yeah. In your podcast, you say, you talk about how kids are always ready to have the difficult conversation. Always, our line is always kids are ready. But mm. Seth, I love to use the line and kids are listening. Yeah. Because we know, as a teacher, oh. I know that how I walked in that space in the classroom, what my body was doing, what my words were saying, what my inflection was communicating. Mm. Kids are listening to that and taking all of that in. Yeah, yeah they're watching the whole show. They're watching the whole yep. story. So, so, yeah, those difficult, challenging topics. We also know that, you know, challenging is a perspective, isn't it? Difficult is a perspective. They don't need to be difficult. Sometimes we are the ones that make it difficult, or sometimes our experiences make it difficult. Holding space for all of that is critically important. When we did the episode, when I recorded the the interview with Evelyn Yang, who is the wife of Andrew Yang, who who ran for president in 2020, he's running for uh, NYC mayor, that conversation... I knew in that space, there's a lot of these books and topics that intersect in my life, mm-hmm. but I knew in that space that I needed to talk about my own story of sexual abuse. I try very, very hard not to center myself on the show. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a, a conduit if I can be that. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I knew there is strength in me breaking down in real time 
this is what it looks like. And let me draw a bridge between you, child listening, and a grown-up listening and say the things that happen to me and all of us in childhood inform or inflect what happens to us in adulthood. And so being able to acknowledge that and not not try to put distance between it, but rather pull it closer mm-hmm. uh, and even be able to say, look, I'm 40 and I am still working out how I feel about this because it wasn't talked about when mm-hmm. I was a child. We can all serve everyone better by just talking more, even if it's going to be messy, because being messy can still have the effect of, of being seen. Mm. And being seen is a really That's big huge. tool. have a responsibility to make our children feel invincible like so that they can talk about anything they can be anything they can overcome anything while at the same time we're teaching them or talking to them about our vulnerabilities as adults so they get to be invincible we acknowledge our vulnerability and then we meet in the middle around understanding what that really means. It makes us accessible as humans, adults accessible as humans to children. And even when they're, even when your parents, sometimes you don't feel like your parent is accessible or your adults don't always just feel accessible. That's why we have to make our vulnerability concrete for children. And that's developmental. You know, kids need to know not what just not just what you say, but they need to know in real time and real life that you walk the walk and talk the talk. And that's one of the things I love about a kid's book about books and podcasts is that it helps parents so much more and adults so much more grab onto, wow, oh my gosh, is it okay for me to be vulnerable and strong at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it is. We, that's exactly what we have to be, is we have to be vulnerable because that children are vulnerable in real life. And so we're almost doing the opposite. We're teaching children that their vulnerability also is their invincibility. And then we're teaching adults that, you know what? Yeah, you got to be strong, but it's okay to also show that you're soft and that you don't know everything and that, but you're going to do this together. And when we do things together, that's how we really move forward through every single thing that feels challenging to talk about. And I agree that challenging is a limit that we put on it Mm -hmm. but because adults lead the conversation so often and are like panicked over some of the subject areas don't know how to talk about them because they were never allowed to talk about it that we almost have to give the kiddo the torch and say okay you lead the conversation and i'm going to use my helper book (laughs) Mm. you know the book really becomes an expert helping them find their words. I think it's also uh, a good model to remind parents that it's okay to say, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I knew the answer to that. I don't know. That wasn't yeah. my experience. Or the way you're talking about vulnerability, I think we also draw from that survival, that I went through hard stuff and I'm here. 
And the person that that you see me as today is a person that's the result of the experiences I've gone through and how I reacted to them or took ownership of them. And so I think that, that there is a lot there. And so modeling for our children that we can reflect on the things we go through, even just to say, hmm, that question you asked me really really has me stumped because, or it actually makes me think of this other thing because just modeling for them, you know, in teaching, we always talk about talking through our steps. As I'm making this thing, whatever the project is, let me talk through what I'm thinking so that you can hear how I'm processing. Maybe I'll draw this shape here because, or I'm feeling like I'm going to draw this over there because, or, or whatever the project is you're working on, but just being able to think aloud is a great modeling tool for kids. And I think that our books are, are doing that think aloud by having the author say the things in mm-hmm. front and allowing you both to sort of stop and go, well, what do I feel about that? What does that mean to me? Yeah, and co-creating the whole new perspective sure. around something that we're talking about, whether it's body image, feminism, failure, kids maybe have an idea about what that means. An adult has their experience of what that means. But now when we come together, we get to co-create it in that dialogue of here's how I would think about it. But then littles can actually bring their perspective and their language to it. And now we've co-created a real meaningful way to talk about something that littles didn't even necessarily know they could talk about and adults now have a way to talk about and it becomes it becomes very freeing and everything's allowed and then we put it into the context of oh it's not that you become in charge of everything in your lives in your life as a child because we can't have that i mean children are little they still need us to be their boundary setters and supporters and their their parents or teachers and their leaders and to some degree. But at the same time, we don't have to be oppressive about it. We can be empowering about it and still hold a boundary with children, which really expands their minds, really expands their skill sets around talking, thinking, exploring, learning, and building out who they are as people. You also get to have the book be the safe space instead of that place of trauma that you refer back to. Well, I think about some things that that, that go on in my own family and my, my son struggling with anxiety or, or with a challenge with the teacher at school. And if we have a conversation where we're drawing from Ross Zabo's book, the kid's book about anxiety, and Ross's story then he and I reading this book together or our family reading this book together have that moment to go back to with language that we can touch on the experiences he's having at school or whatever and as opposed to only having only asking him to go back to that place of trauma or that experience of trauma to try to process the trauma that's a very difficult thing books you know i've been a librarian for 16 years books are always a safe space hopefully everyone in in their lives has has experienced a book as a safe place having a book be a safe place 
from a nonfiction standpoint, not, well, I remember reading this one fiction book where this one character went through this one thing and I can, I'm, I'm sort of like that character in that book, aren't I? That's great. But to have a nonfiction story where an individual who is a real person out in the world has gone through this thing and you can tie yourself to a real person that's still living their life, doing their thing, I think holds tremendous value mm. in helping to talk about trauma or emotions without having to re-traumatize. I think there's a, I would imagine there's a lot of parents out there that the predominant question in this entire episode is, is when, like when, when do I broach certain subjects and do I wait for it to arise naturally or do I just go all in? Here's 15 books. We're going to tackle this in 15 days. We, I mentioned before recording that we're doing a number of podcasts that a kid's podcast about. Mm -hmm. And the first one that we have that's out in the world is a kid's book about the podcast, which is sort of the most obvious thing we could do. Mm -hmm. Let's have our authors and kids talk about the subjects of our books. Launching in the beginning of June, Camp Adventure, a podcast summer camp. We are bringing the entire world together to do summer camp from your living room. Wow. We have a podcast coming after that called Is That True? Where kids examine <laughs> facts. How do we know the things we know? Ooh. But um, that awesome. <laughs> and that's the host by Ariane Nettles, who's she's a journalist from WBEZ Chicago. We have a number of shows coming. We have a, a show called The Activators, mm -hmm. where an eight-year-old named Leo Perry talks to other kid activists about how you can take your passions and activate change locally and globally. But I say all of these things because the important distinction between books and podcasts often is that when you're reading a book, you get to choose which one you pull down and read. Mm. When you're listening to a podcast, that new episode just shows up on your feed if you've subscribed. And so the approach in that way has to be a little different. And again, we think about those gatekeepers. We think about the parents or the grownups, the teachers that will choose to play this episode for a child or will, will say, all these episodes are out, let's choose one together, or they'll just listen as they come up. And I think that probably is a a case-to-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. But as I was saying earlier, I also think that the way any of us walks through life, all of these things are connected. Your yeah. trauma or, or anger or frustration or hurt from whatever experience you had intersects with people who are feeling hurt from experiencing sexual abuse or racism or uh, depression or a divorce. or th These are all things that we go through. You don't need to go through all the things to, to be able to understand ourselves and the people we live around and share this world with better by talking about all these things. So maybe, maybe where you might be seeking out our books initially because you're help, hoping to have ex specific questions. Mm -hmm. Maybe in that way, our podcasts sort of serve like a classroom. Mm -hmm. You don't get to choose who you're in a class with. You don't get to, you know, on your own time, decide who you're going to sit beside in class or, or play a game with in PE or whatever. You're thrown into that. And mm -hmm. you need to learn how to see someone else in their space and acknowledge they are sharing this space with you. And I think podcasts in general as a medium can serve to do that, to help us open up our worlds a little bit more and know we are not the only ones going through this world. And someone might have gone through a wildly different experience, but it can feel 
incredibly intimately connected to, to the things we're going through as well. You yeah. just don't know where that connection is going to happen. You only know by living life or by listening to other people's stories. brings me to, you know, talking about adverse childhood experiences and ACEs in relation to trauma, because so we know we know the prevalence of trauma is high. But we also know that resilience is also high, the ability to overcome and what really leads us to our strength and resilience are relationships and connectedness with other people and and stories and learning how to integrate our experience into our own narrative so it creates our identity. But one of the things, too, that I love about this whole concept of bringing kids into the fold so early and now even earlier with little with babies, birth to four. I mean, I'm just a little book about. Oh, yeah. I have, you know, I've already, my, I think my order is showing up today, you know, because I have, you know, I don't know what it's called. A baby's book about activism. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, all over that book. Sure. You know, we say oh, I'm going to read this book, this book, and this book with kids as if it's a one and done. But in reality, we know that kids, and like adults, we're sort of on this need-to-know basis because that's how our brain works. It's like, oh, wait a second, I don't need to know about um, bullying right now, but I really do need to know something more about racism or white privilege or some of these things that are going on, Asian hate, because this is what's in my world right now and I have no idea how to talk about it. Kids determine when it's time to find out more about something that's going on in their world. And by what they pick, give us as adults a lens into their world of what they're experiencing. I have a six-year-old granddaughter, so when she comes over and we're like, okay, let's pick books, what do you want to read about? And I'll, you know, read read some titles. And she's like, we read um, Racism, Failure, and Bullying the other night. And so there's a little bit of a lens for me into what's what she's thinking about in terms of being six, right? It doesn't necessarily, she's got some big failure project in her world, but it does get me thinking about, okay, what's going on for her? You know, what choices kids make in the podcast or the books that they choose to listen to. And then it's never a one and done. Like even for ourselves, when we find something interesting or we love a movie or a book, we sometimes read it multiple times or watch it multiple times or talk about it multiple times and kids are the same. Like we, it's not, you're not going to read a book necessarily or listen to a podcast one time. Cause you're like, Oh wait, I got to go back and I got to, I got to really integrate this into my experience and, and who I am in order to change or to find my strength or, you know, talk to somebody else and help them find their strength, whatever the purpose is. When I think of kids and books, I think nobody wants to read a kid's book one time. We read the same books over and over, my little Charlie and I, when, you know, when we're laying down, she picks the same books. We talk about different parts of the book that are going on at different 
days that we're reading it. And so knowing that it's okay, you don't need a thousand books. You can have three books and read them, you know, a hundred times and people can get different, different information from the, the same book. So much of that comes from comfort, from familiarity, an obvious and key difference between fiction books, fiction picture books, and our books is that while a child might be picking up one of those fiction books because they want to return to the familiarity of the story or because there's an experience, it's like watching a, a television show over and over, they also might just look at the cover and the characters are what's appealing. I want to see a show play out with these characters, right? Elephant and Piggy, I can pick up any one of those books by Mo Willems knowing that I'm drawn to these characters. So whatever performance they give in this book, I'm drawn to them. Whereas the interesting thing you brought up about our books is that you're drawn to the subject. There's no pictures, there's no princesses, there's nothing like that. You're you're drawn to, I'm curious about how these characters are going to perform, but I'm curious about how what this topic is or how it's going to play out. And I think, as you said, the books are there to, to be there for us when we need them. Whether it's we're remembering the story and by saying our memory of it is what we need just to recall it in our brain, or if we need to actually return to the text or to the whatever the story is itself to hear how something is said just so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that parents and kids alike, I mean, I know I, I return to, there's a number of, for me, it's always the poetic picture books that I return to because it's just a way that the language is written down that I want to return to it because the way it's spoken to me gives me comfort. I think similarly in our books, there's a way that that those words are spoken that can give you comfort or understanding about what this is. And I think when I, if we go back to, you brought up Evelyn talking about sexual abuse, or if I go back to Ashley Simpo on the show talking about divorce, hearing people say, for me, grown-up Matthew, hearing adults say to me, it's not your fault, it's not your mm-hmm. fault, it's not your fault, is something that I return to. It because there's something, this is this is psychology, I know you understand, my therapist will understand very well too, <laughs> shout out to Dr. Kara. But, um, but there's something there to hearing, for me, hearing someone else tell me, remind me, that even though I know it, intellectually I know that it's not my fault, I get that. But having someone who can tell me and tell it in a way that I know is sincere, that it's not my fault, feels really comforting. And I hope in time, all of our shows, whether it is, is that true, talking about are butterflies poisonous? Or if that's Camp Adventure telling a story about, uh, our, our host telling a story about when he moved from one part of the country to another and someone was asking him about his shoes and he couldn't understand what they were asking about because of their accent or his accent or mm. whatever. It, whatever it is, the comfort of being able to return to something because it makes you feel a certain way, I feel like that's got to be a universal thing. And yet, we as adults don't seem to go to that as our tool for helping kids very hmm. often. And I feel like that that's, that's sad. We ought to tap into that for ourselves so that we can tap into that for our kids, that predictability and comfort are why we return to things because we know, like, why we've, I, have, I have a nephew that all all he ever eats is is chicken nuggets and French fries, and we like to, <laughs> uh, you know, blame that on. He's a very picky eater, but also from the other side of it, 
there's a comfort in knowing I know what I'm going to get if I eat the same mm. thing. I know how it's going to make me feel. I know what I'm going to get out of it. I won't be surprised or disappointed in a bad way. There's, I understand when we, when we stick with one thing that we are in, in a way closing ourselves off from the rest of the world. But also, those things that offer us comfort give us a place to go back and feel safe to explore what's going on in the world. And if that is about sexual abuse or depression or activism, don't we want that, that place to come back and just feel seen? Hmm. Matthew, I, we're going we're gonna to be closing out this episode, but you have a subtle brilliance about you. And, oh, thank you. And, Seth, I don't know how to take that, but thank you. That's very <laughs> sweet. Uh, the clarity that you, that you bring, that... It seems simple on the surface, but then you let it sink in and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that just, that's coming from a depth of experience of self-work and outer work as well with, with your, with, with your kids, with other people. Thank so you. just wanted I've, to thank you for coming on and sharing that. that. I, I have to say, I mean, I've, I've, I've taught at six different schools as a librarian, so thousands mm -hmm. of kids, as well as two of my own and there is nothing I do that I'm not thinking about those kids constantly, yeah. even though I'm not in a classroom anymore, constantly. So I'm glad, Seth, really, that you're seeing them and you're seeing their influence on mm. me in whatever words came came to the microphone today. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So we like to end these episodes with some practical takeaways. What are some ways that the gatekeepers can prep themselves for difficult conversations? In what ways can they prep the kids that they're interacting with? We say it a lot around a kid's book about, but we mean it, which is why we say it a lot. The kids are ready. I think, Dr. B, you'd probably agree, though, that grown-ups, we're ready, too. We have to trust ourselves that we are ready. We do have the mm -hmm. skills to do this, and we will make mistakes. I make mistakes right on that podcast, mm -hmm. and that's okay, because even in our mistakes, we are learning and others can learn as well. I think as we think about practical tips, really understanding that your kid is ready and that the best way you can protect your child or your students is actually by talking to them about this. Hmm. It feels counterintuitive to go to that scary place as an act of protection, but wouldn't you rather, this is me talking to myself from the classroom as well, wouldn't I rather those kids talk about that with me in a safe environment with someone that they trust and they know loves them and is not going to put them in harm's way? Hmm. That is such a safer place to experience anything at all. The feeling of not feeling welcome, we talk about in camp a lot, that you are welcome in the way you show up the feeling of not knowing things or people questioning mm. your authority of knowing things is what we explore. And is that true? And the experience of the way you've walked through life is beautiful and perfect and just as it's supposed to be uh, is what we really explore on a kid's book about the podcast. And so for those grownups, know that they're ready and that the way that you can protect them best is by having these conversations with them together and in a safe place with tools or on terms that you know you can trust and that feel safe to you, hopefully, as well. 
That is brilliant. And that's beautiful because it is so true that the best way to keep somebody safe is to to talk about what's on the other side of the door before you walk through the door. You know, Mm -hmm. don't we all want to know what's out, you know, what to expect on the other side, because that consistency, predictability, like we talk about this all the time on, on this show equals stability. And don't we do so much better when we enter a situation on the stability plane rather than the, you know, I don't know what to expect plane. Then we're flying by the seat of our pants. What rather than, Oh, Uh, you know, I can handle this back to that. You know, I can do this. I can be brave. I can, I can face things that are unknown because I know a little bit about it because I've had a conversation about it once with somebody that I trust and that I love and that I know loves me and wants to make sure I'm safe. So I may not know everything, but I know enough to, to know what's on the other side of the door is okay is okay, I can do this. Every child who goes through the divorce experience for whatever reason believes that it's their their fault. It's just this universal way of interpreting, my parents don't wanna be together, it has to be my fault. I mean, I experienced that too, so when you were telling that story, I was like, yeah, you know how many times I've said to myself, oh yeah, it was my fault, even though I know for a million reasons it wasn't my fault but we still go back to that. So that repeating over and over again that, yeah, no, it's okay. Because every time we do too, we're reinforcing that, that neural pathway that says, oh yeah, I have to sometimes fight against, you know, messaging that tells me something that I know is not accurate. And there we get to truth. We're only getting started and we really appreciate the support and the visibility that others have shown for what we're doing so far and that that we all are driving this company forward by by participating all of us are doing the work by participating so thank you for inviting me on to share awesome. to share our, my little corner of the universe today i love <laughs> awesome. it okay so matthew please share with us how do we find the podcast how do we find the books what do you you know Plug away because everybody needs to know a kid's book about podcasts and a kid's book about books. Well, the first place to go is just a kidsbookabout.com where you will see everything that we're up to, which actually goes beyond books and podcasts. There is even <laughs> more in the works that uh, you'll discover in the in the weeks and months to come. After you are there, you can follow the drop-down menus to find podcasts and all of those things. All the podcasts are also available wherever podcasts are found. So if you look up a kid's book about the podcast, you'll find it on whatever podcatcher you want to use. Look up Camp Adventure. That's out too. And very soon, Is That True? will also be launching. So those three you'll see first, but they're all under the network of a kid's podcast about, so they'll be able to all be found together eventually, as well as all of those other shows that we're doing in the future. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Matthew Winner. I'm very, very easy to find. I mean, maybe LinkedIn is the more appropriate way. That's where Dr. B finds me. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I, I, I'm an easy one to find. Thank you so much for being a guest. I feel so honored that you came on to our show and you shared so graciously and honestly. 
and transparently about the work you do and your understanding of children can't be more appreciative. So thank you very much for your work and your passion. And with that, that's a wrap for this episode. And so everybody, please go out, find your passion, leave your life print, and we love you until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now, go leave a life print. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Delusional Optimism brought to you by St. Agnes Medical Center and Every Neighborhood Partnership. We hope you're encouraged by Dr. B's message and find her tips helpful for managing life stressors and building a more resilient self. For more episodes in this special series, please visit St. Agnes Medical Center's website at www.samc.com. This episode is produced and published by the editing team at TruthWork Media. TruthWork Media is a full-fledged podcasting and social media agency located in South Bend, Indiana with clients all around the world. For more information, visit them at truthworkmedia.com. These materials and all discussions of these materials are for educational purposes only and do not constitute medical or mental health advice. The presenter is not a licensed mental health or medical service provider. If you need medical or mental health care or advice, you should contact your doctor or therapist, or you can contact your insurance company for a referral. This show and all of its contents are copyright 2020 Dr. B. Leave a Life Print. Reproduction or use requires written consent of Dr. Kristen Beasley.